Say that the podcast are your big questions get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host here in the city of Chicago, and joining me here is Glenn Fitzgerald, the president of Mission USA. You say so. Also joining us, Jed Brewer, the director of Mission USA Productions. Well, I, I think you do say so, actually. I mean, that's it's kind of the nature of being the president. Whatever. I don't think we have time to get an existentialist <laughs> dilemma right here at the top of the show. Also joining us all the way from Rutgers, Tennessee, one of the pastors of Christ Community Church, Lee Younger. I don't know how the hierarchy works out, but I do know that sometimes I'm not allowed to be sick. Sometimes I'm not, if I'm not here, the show still goes on. I don't know. I don't know what my place is. Yeah, the, it's, it's, a, it's a legal term called low man on the totem pole. <laughs> <laughs> that clears it up well. Uh, you're what's called an underling. <laughs> One of a the minion. a minion, uh, a surf. Yeah, that's right, a surf. That's right. I'm working the land for my feudal lord. That's right, vassal. There, there are right. times and it happened not that long ago at a meeting we were having where uh, there will be an assignment. There'll be a thing that needs to be done that Glenn is clearly not going to do. Yeah, mm-hmm. it is. It is. It is. It would be a waste of his uh, time and potential. Yeah, and I will simply get. Eye contact and the phrase, you know what rolls downhill? <laughs> that means I get to do it. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And that's what you call leadership. That's the kind of clear and open <laughs> communication that leads to happy employees. That's right. That's right. Well, speaking of happiness or an extraordinary lack thereof caused by this podcast, yep. uh, we, we had a message come in on the Twitters, and uh, our friend Nicole uh writes, my husband has been slipping into legalistic Jed voice when he's talking to me. Who's going to pay for my marriage therapy? Wow. Yeah. Then um, uh, we all responded with lots of very unhelpful jokes. Yes. Yeah. My suggestion was that Jed will do your marriage therapy for free, but he will only do it in character as legalistic Jed. Sure. That's great. (laughs) Um, Glenn suggested that uh, this was uh, due to unconfessed Halloween sins. That's yeah. right. This That's was two weeks after Halloween, but you got to get that legalism in hard. Yep. And uh, so my main question is, Jed, what do you have to say for yourself? Well, Matthew, I... Oh, no. oh that started early. <laughs> uh <Uh-oh>. oh <laughs> I'm glad that you've brought this issue... To be fair, we should have seen this coming. ...to my attention. Is Matthew his full name? Uh, Matthew Cornelius King, of course. Yeah, that's right. Close enough. To refer to him as his formal Christian name. Christian name. Christian. <laughs> I'd like to address my comments uh, not to Nicole, who, of course, is an innocent victim Mm. uh, in these proceedings and goings on, but uh, to her husband, Mm. um, who... Do you um, find that the teeth clicking makes you more legalistic? Oh, deeply. Yeah, no, that's that's part of the technique. You can't leave that. It's very good. We're trying to give Mike more tips for when he he inevitably does this again. (laughs) Michael, as we turn to the good Lord's word, and particularly those commandments enshrined in what I can assume you're familiar with, uh, the Ten Mm. Commandments. Of course, there are many more in Scripture, but these are some good ones to start with, if you were. (laughs) Really? Because Paul says the whole point of them is to tell us that rules are stupid and we can't follow rules. Matthew, don't help me. Michael, not trying to help. One of those commandments, and I'm going to recite it for you because I assume you may not be familiar with it, mm. is thou shalt not steal. Now, you might in would that, would your... Would that be from the authorized version? It is from the authorized version. You oh. might in your newness, 
have thought that meant uh, material things. Your neighbor's diet (laughs) Coca-Cola, which is less (laughs) sinful due to the lack of sugar. You might have thought that that referred to your uh, neighbor's minivan Mm. um, that I assume you are envious of. But, Michael, I think you have (laughs) kept yourself to the letter of the law and have neglected the spirit of the commandment, Mm. for you are stealing another man's bit. And this is a grave, grave (laughs) sin. Now, as a Christian, I am, of course, legally and contractually obligated to forgive you. But I will do so reluctantly. Mm. And I will Mm. insist on a public confession of your sin. I think the tweet counts. Well, that is true. You raise raise a good point there. But you're you're kind of interfering with, like, you're you're making it harder for me to be legalistic. And that's that's really... How else do you grow, Jed? (laughs) That's right. You, you grow in legalism it. by overcoming challenges. Try to put some resistance on this training. Here's what I here's what I want to say to Michael. If you have, uh, you know, they've been married about a year, right? Yeah, coming up on, yeah, I think so. If you have been married about a year and you can work in legalistic Michael and um, you're not immediately cast into outer darkness, wow. you are slaying it in your marriage. That's right. That's, that's, right. Well, that's think, what we got to give props to. I think, that's and right. this is going to come dangerously close to being uh, useful advice for the emergency segment, which we all know I'm uncomfortable with. But this does, I think, play to the very important concept. This is from the same brains that birth legalistic Jeds, take it for what it's worth, but of husband points. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. One must have a surplus in one area right. to get in away order. with nonsense in another area. Yeah. That's right. That's yeah. absolutely right. Glenn, do you want to tell us about husband points? I know you have some experience with them. Uh, well, I invented husband points. Uh, here's the idea is that uh, a lot of people, they like to have their marriage based on love, love, serving one another. Acceptance, and, understanding. Yeah, unselfish giving yeah. And, and and providing and, and You nurturing. say that's for chumps. But, yeah, I how say, do you win like that, Glenn? You yeah. don't win. That's the whole point. What you do is you establish points. So, for example, this is absolutely true. If you're at my house and you see me take out the trash, I will yell the word over my shoulder as I go out the door yeah. with the trash bag. I will yell the word, husband points, yeah. as I'm taking the <laughs> trash out. I have, I'm, a, I'm accruing points yes. Yes. As, a, as a result of this activity. Now, yes, I will inevitably do something idiotic and schmucky later. Oh, that's a guarantee. Un- uncivilized. Uncivilized. Probably within the hour. That's right. And then I'll lose a certain number of husband points. Yeah. But every now and then, you cash them in for prizes and favors. You know. So you say, uh, you know, have I not built up enough husband points for us to see a guy movie Mm -hmm. instead of the movie that you want to see where the only thing that happens is feelings? Well, there is horse dancing. Let's not forget about that. Well, there's, there's, there's just crying and feelings and horses and dancing and dancing. Yes. Uh, these are the only. That's I just described the perfect movie for for sure. my wife, and I have to explain to her nothing actually took place. It yes. was just feelings. Nothing exploded at all. Nothing exploded. There that's no, what he means by took place. Ah, uh, yes. No, no, no aliens <laughs> from outer space. No nothing. But here's the thing: is if you if you want to do the kind of like for example, yeah, in my house every single day. Also, still not making this up, I checked the mail in my underwear. Sure. Yep. Now, uh, we all wish that something could stop that from happening. Yeah. But there isn't anything. Yeah. No force <laughs> on heaven or earth. The, it's an absolute, ab, this is absolutely a fact. We had a day 
um, this would have been maybe three or four years ago, maybe three years ago, where it was it was like literally air temperature twenty below mm-hmm. zero, with like a forty below wind chill. Yeah, right. I insisted yeah. on checking the mail in my underwear on that day. Yeah, and for it's some, a it's a tradition. And for some dumb reason, I went out the back door, <laughs> which, which latches behind you. Which, which, if I were, if I had closed it fully, it would have locked me out yes. of the house in below forty wind chill in my underwear. Yes. The answer to the question, what would I have done? The answer is just run. Yes. <laughs> sure. Just run. Just keep running. Yes. Okay. Gumped it. That's yes. right. Now, my <laughs> my wife wants to stop this from happening. Sure. So she doesn't come home to her frozen glensicle someday. That's right. And also, she wants her neighbors to not be horrified. Yeah. Every time they look at her. It's a modest ambition. <laughs> it's it, you know. One would think. But the thing is, I have to maintain an extremely high level of husband points to get away with all of this. to get away with all this because if you run out of husband points you die yeah exactly right yeah <laughs> so is, is it like a health meter yep that's yeah. right you you die <laughs> yeah i mean something will happen to cause your death but you will die Oh, it's not like an immediate thing it's more of an inevitability yeah yeah you die yeah so all that to say, Michael, we sense that you are building up, and then spending, of course, but you are building up husband points. And well, you can't let them roll over. So absolutely. Well, you got to use them. <laughs> and that is the sign of good husbanding, my friend. Indeed. We right. salute you. Just just be careful that your husband points are fairly high. Yes. You don't want to run all the way out. You, you got to keep that margin way yeah. in the positive. That's right. Way Lynn in the is positive. a real deficit hawk when it comes to husband points. <laughs> That's yeah. right. That's I would right. also say that it. we need to be careful for all the say that super fans out there, which elements of this show slash this group of friends you want to copy in yeah. your life. Well, <laughs> yeah. I, I would say stick to the safe side yeah. and not copy any of them. Yeah. I mean, just, you know... Proceed with caution there, Mr. Yeah. Rondot. So this is a uh, this this is this is thin ice, you know. Yeah. I mean, this is we all know how this movie ends, and so you know, be careful. One thing that we would say about the husband points is, how do you? Uh, uh, the question I have off of it is, how do you account for the just the absolute gigantic nature of the the wife points that you can't possibly compete with. I mean, the, yeah. right. the the way that we get treated by our wives, the three of us on this show, there's no way that we could ever even approach the deficit. There's no, the, I right. mean, it's like it's like the wage it's like the wage gap in the United States is is laughable compared to what we're dealing with. Yeah. Now, how do you factor all that in? Well, and Glenn, before you get into that, um, I, I want to us all to recognize the ninja level move that Lee just used your two schmucks conversation with husband points to score husband points. Yes, that's right. He's like, these guys want to talk about getting away with stuff. I want to talk about how we can be thankful. That, that's yeah. master that's level, next level husband point manipulation. Yes, no that's doubt. what we're talking about. <laughs> okay. The, because first of all, there is no such thing as wife points. Because they have all the points. Yes. yes. They give out the points. Yes. You, I took out the trash. Give him my points. You know yes. Alex Trebek is not competing on Jeopardy. That's yes. right. He's already <laughs> here. He's giving out the points. Yes. That's right. You can so, tell by that <laughs> condescending voice he uses. That's, That's right. Canadian. Yeah. So this is the point is you, you have to, you got to run it. Now, look, the thing with me and, and Jed, as Lee is rightly pointing out, 
We spend husband points recklessly, like a sailor on shore. Leave. I mean, you nobody has spent more husband points than we have. Yeah, but we build them up first. Sure, absolutely. Because we, we, the, who knows what would happen? Well, it's if pretty. We it's pretty out. constant economy of really. The one hand is earning, and the other hand is spending. That's, yeah, it's that's a pretty right. serious yeah. point flow. That's right. It, and and some people might look at that and say, "That looks like a lot of work." Yeah. <laughs> You're yeah. killing yourself to build these points up, and then you did something horrible to spend them. To sure. spend them. But what we all know is the horrible thing was going to happen anyway. That's exactly that's the point. right. With that's that, exactly and right. the reason why is because Jed and I are are kind of uh, horrible people. Oh yeah, We're there's really no kind about of about it. it, right? Yeah. I mean, how many times uh, uh, in like a given week will your wife look over at you like? What is wrong with you? What? <laughs> I mean, that's like a daily thing in my house. Here's the look I'm generally hoping for is, and this is an analogy you've used many times. If you look and you see a dog walking on its hind legs, right. you go, well, that's kind of impressive. It, sure. won't, it won't last long. Right, it's right, unnatural right. and awkward, but right. it's kind of impressive. That's the look I'm hoping to get from my wife because okay. I'm trying to do something good. Right. It doesn't suit me in any way. Sure. It's like confusing. a bear riding a unicycle. It's a bear riding a unicycle, but she respects the effort. Right. Even if she's amused by both the attempt and its inevitable failure. That's Might right. take a picture of it. Exactly that's right. right. Sure. That's right. Yeah. That's what we're working with. Well, yeah. I, I think it's all very good stuff. I think uh, the, the a further analogy on this I, I will use, and this is for our friends who listen, Lee brings up a very good point. Um, you ever you ever watched when it's Olympic time and you watch like the, the floor exercise and the gymnastics and you think, I didn't look that hard. Right. When you're a kid and you try it on the trampoline and then you blow out your ACL. Right. That's the equivalent of trying to jump right to the husband point level <laughs> people on this show are on. Oh, yeah. You, you got to start low. That's another reason Mike's being smart. Now, right. the legalistic Jed thing, sure, funny. Yeah. Amusing him. Right. Uh, abhorrent to yes. any member of polite society, which Nicole is, but it can be stopped. It's a low impact. Yeah. You, you're learning. How many husband points does this cost me? Yes. Is there a way, and this was smart on both her and his part, is there a way I can diffuse blame? Yes. Right. Amongst these monkeys on the podcast. That's right. a very good move. Yes. Right. Glenn, Jed has gotten a lot of uh, hus- husband point deduction kind of minimization by pointing out that Glenn taught him to do that. That's, That's right. exactly right. Yeah. He throws me under the bus all the time. Yeah, no That's doubt. how he gets the weasel out from underneath it. Yeah, that's like that's like inflation, or there's an exchange rate, or something like that. Yeah. You're just kind of playing with the economy. Well, it's 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 like a you know it's a, like a credit default swap. It's just it's like, like that. you got a tranche, and that if you don't manage it carefully, it could lead to the collapse of your marriage economy. Yeah, yes. that's right, and and it's like a basically Jed's engaging in an arbitrage scenario. Well played, here. sir. Hmm. And so what you have is a cash flow distribution of points in yep. the economy. Yeah. To create a, a, a you know a positive capitalization, yeah, and the triggering a positive uh, return on investment. It's just like that. To put it in simpler terms, I'm married way out of my league. Therefore, my main goal is to keep on bailing water. That's sure. right. Bail that water yeah. as hard as you can. The ship is sinking. Bail that water. It's not looking good. No. You can't plug the leak, for no. God's sake. Just <laughs> bail water first, yeah. then figure it out. Absolutely. <laughs> we, don't signal for help. Don't look. Just bail water. We don't have time for that. <laughs> we don't have time for anything else. You see flowers? Buy the flowers. Yeah. Take it. Don't ask yourself, should I buy these flowers or no, not? No, just buy them. <laughs> buy them. 
Yeah. Get the flowers to the house as quick as possible. Yep. We're that's where you're at. True now. story. My first year of marriage, I just sense through the ether it's time to buy some flowers. Right. I get to our apartment. I'm I'm parked the car. I'm getting out of the car. I got a big bouquet of flowers in my hand. A guy I don't know from across the street sees me getting out of the car with the flowers and yells, "You must have screwed up!" <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and that dude's married. That dude's married. I the, true story. I went to a florist once in in Oak Park, near where we live. I, I walked in, I must have had a look on his face, and that the first thing he said is, what did you do? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. see what I'm saying? And, to tie it all together, if only you could have been able to look him in the eye and responded in legalistic Jed voice. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I did this. Amen. Amen. Well, I declare emergency on. I'm the only one that cares about parliamentary procedure emergency off. Mm. Fair enough. Well, the sin of pride, I see. <laughs> so uncomfortable when the legalistic Jed bleeds into the non-emergency segment. Just worlds colliding here. Yeah. Yeah, anyway, so, uh, you know, legalistic, Bridgebox, stay married. No, we put out Bridgebox every month. It's very good. There's songs and sermons and Bible studies and stuff. It's only $8. That $8 goes to uh, support uh, our hiring of part-time employees, our Bridge Deacons up here in Chicago. It's a fantastic program that's done a lot of good for the ministry we do here with folks coming out of jail and out of addiction. So if you want to check that out, a great Christmas gift for yourself or others. There, Indeed. I tied it to something. Nice. MissionUSA.com slash Bridgebox. All right, we're going to jump to our first question here. If you have a question for us, you can have this all the way to the end. I'll give you some ways to get in touch with us. First question comes in anonymously to our Tumblr box, and it says, Does fasting increase the power of prayer? In Matthew 17, the disciples are struggling to cast out a demon and are told by Jesus that a certain kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. Now, I know that fasting is a physical reminder of us showing our utter reliance on God, finding joy in God, and reminding us that we are made for another world. But outside of all that, is there some connection between fasting and the power of prayer or the wisdom and insight we get for decisions? Very interesting question. Lee, why don't you start us off here? Uh, yeah, I do think this is an, an awesome question. Uh, and the reason I like it is because... Really, it kind of cuts to the heart of what prayer is and and how it works. And I know for me, I, I don't know, I don't know if this is you at all, but I know for me, times when I felt like, okay, maybe I need to try like the fasting thing with the praying. Um, and maybe I'm the only person that feels this way, but times that I've felt like that are times where I felt like I know that I'm a giant screw up. And, um, so I'm just going to try whatever tricks I can. It's kind of funny in the light of just the, the, uh, the husband points conversation that we just had. It's, I, I've, I have felt that way in my relationship with the Lord before of like, okay, what I, I know I don't deserve to be talking to you about this because I'm a massive screw up, but, um, what all can I do to stack the deck and make you maybe listen? Um, I don't know if you felt that way before. And, and I know that a huge part of the reason that I felt that way was because of the environment that I grew up in as far as church. Um, I felt like, um, I felt like it was my job to, it was my job to impress God with my behavior. It was my job to, uh, to, you know, to show God how serious I was about my relationship with him. And so this was all, you know, the, the, the fasting and prayer part of, of our relationship was just kind of a, a way that I could talk God into something. And it was, for me, it was one of those things that was like, I need to try this if I've had like a really, really bad week. Um, you know, I, I work with, uh, I work with high school kids <clears throat> primarily in ministry 
And I can always tell, when I go to the high school on Monday morning, I can always tell you within 30 seconds who's had a bad weekend. Yeah. Um, who's, you know, who partied, who smoked, who had sex, the whole thing. I can tell you just like, boom, 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 him, 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 her, her. And the reason is because every day, just about, I go to that school. And I get high fives and hugs from everybody, talk to everybody. It's all real cool. And then you'll go on a Monday morning and nobody wants to look you in the eye, man. You go in and it's like, oh man, I know what kind of weekend you had. I know what the deal is with you. And I don't know if this is what's going on with you, but I I know that a lot of the folks that I work with and, and the way that I first came into this thing was if I have really, really, really been screwing up then I've got to really, really, really do something to convince God to listen to me. And this is the thing about prayer, is that you, if you believe in Jesus, you are God's kid. Mm -hmm. You have all the VIP access that a person could have into the very throne room and the ear of God himself. You could not get more access than you have right now. But here's the thing, it doesn't feel that way. And it doesn't feel that way if you've had a bad week. It doesn't feel that way if you've been sprinting hard away from the Lord. And so it feels like, all right, well, maybe I can turn this up by fasting. Maybe I can turn this up by, you know, uh, by, by punishing myself in some way or something like that. Here's the deal is that you already have all the access in the world. So you can't actually stack the deck and manipulate like it's an algorithm that if you you know, you push these numbers up and you can kind of, you can kind of tip the scale or whatever. Um, if we got enough people at the prayer meeting, then we could convince God. Um, that's not the way prayer works, but I know it doesn't feel that way. Um, I know for me, you know, times when I've done fasting and praying, I mean, the, the, the practical issue of it for me was there are times in my life where I'm super distracted. I'm super easily distracted and I need to quieten everything down. So I can hear that still small voice. And I do think there's a lot to that. But as far as can I convince Jesus to listen to me more if I, you know, if I punish myself by not eating or if I, if I get my crap together, if I impress God enough, am I going to get him to listen? That's not the way it works. You have all the access as God's kid. Now, there may be some stuff that you can do to, to, to increase and help your own focus and reduce your own distraction. That's all well and good. But it's not about access. It's not about we have to do something to convince him to listen to me. That's a really uh, interesting way to start that off. And Glenn, I like really what Lee was saying there about focus. Yes. And yes. I think that's a very important part of understanding this whole thing is yes, because I think what our friend is pointing out here is fasting has to have some role in this because it's mentioned alongside prayer, even others is right. kind of a lot. So if those aren't, if it's not some kind of weird Voltron, these things go together to make everything explode thing, what, what roles that have in that? I think, they, I knew, Lee's, see, you, you people don't know, because you right. weren't raised properly. But right, 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 right. That's right, the Voltron. But uh, focus is that kind of missing ingredient, right? Is that what we're talking about here? Absolutely right. I, I, I love what Lee was saying there at the end about, you know, this is about focus versus distraction. Uh, if you're... Uh, doing anything to change your circumstances, it can help you with that. So uh, if, if you're hungry and you're fasting, you, you're reminded to pray. You're, it's a way of you know, uh, emphasizing that to yourself. Uh, you can do the same thing by going up to a, a mountaintop. You can do the same thing by going to your prayer 
deposit, you can uh, do the same thing, uh, you know, by uh, praying on your knees, for example, you know, if it just comes to that. Uh, and I think probably that, that, that will work slightly different for different people in terms of uh, something that is meant to be a focus of attention. And then is, if you put me on a mountaintop, I, I can pray, in, uh, but, you know, other people, uh, you know, would be distracted by the view, you know, mm -hmm. so it's better for them to go to their closet, you know. Well, it's definitely worth pointing out, none of these are necessarily even meant to be a, this is the thing I do that makes prayer better, as you're pointing out, if it's about right. focus, and that's inherently probably about changing things up, adding it, doing changing it a little differently. That's a constant tweaking process. That's right. Yes. And, and, and discovering about yourself. Yeah. Who, who, you know, what, what it is about you that helps you to, to maintain that focus and, and take that prayer to another level, building an intimacy, building a, uh, uh, and, 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 and tuning out other distractions, tuning out other louder voices and, and in order to hear the Lord uh, better in those circumstances. But none of this stuff involves magic. Mm-hmm. Uh, which again is part of the point that Lee is making that this, you do this thing and it it gives you a turbo boost yeah. right. to the prayer. Uh, that's not that's that thinking. I think gets us in a lot of trouble. Uh, this is about uh, you know a focus that we maintain on on our end. And it, here's another thing. Um, I notice there's a certain number of people that um, that if they couldn't tell anyone that they were fasting. They probably wouldn't do it. Sure, <laughs> you know, the, if you're if you're telling me about your fasting, to be honest with you, I'm wondering if that's the main point. Sure, is that you get to tell people you're fasting. But Jesus was totally cool with that, though. He loved that. Yeah, except for he said, "Don't do that." Oh, really? Wow. <laughs> yeah, I that's so totally wrong. Yeah. So the, there's there's your problem there. You know, uh, there's a certain uh, instinct I think that Christians have. Uh, to think about uh, the best thing that they can do uh, with their faith is to put it on display. Mm -hmm. And, the, and the, the Bible actually says that's not it. That's yeah. not the thing that we're meant to do, that, that if we are a city on a hill, then that city can't be hidden, mm -hmm. and therefore you don't have to emphasize that. You don't have to display it. Uh, if you're making a show out of it, that's implying you aren't a city on the hill. Mm -hmm. uh, you're just setting yourself on fire and saying, hey, look at me. You yeah. know, there's a, there's, those are two very different kinds of things. But the same thing with, with fasting and whatever have you. I think we all have this weird sense, perhaps, that uh, these things are uh, uh, the kind of thing that will take, I can level up. Sure. That's what the kids say, you know. Uh, if, I, if I do this fasting and praying and I tell everybody about it and uh, Instagram it, uh, the picture of it, then people will really be impressed, and then I'll I'll go to the next <laughs> level. Uh, but uh, but this is about building an intimacy with God and a connection with Him. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. I think that's a lot of really good stuff on what fasting can do, like that focus aspect. And Jed, let's take a look at the idea of let's say this is coming from a place of less trying to understand fasting, which both uh, Lee and Glenn did a great job breaking down, and more of that. I've, as Lee was pointing at the beginning, I feel like I am stuck in my prayer and looking for something to kind of guaranteed to goose that. Fasting may not necessarily be that, but there are things we can do to. It's always gets a little talk about efficacy of prayer. There's nothing you can do right. to make God hear your prayer sure. more. But if you're looking for having a more uh, effective prayer life in the sense of you hear more, you get more out of it, there are 
uh, tweaks we can make that, as Glenn is pointing to here, aren't necessarily external things, right? No doubt about it. Here's what's worked for me. My, I'm going to give you my secret weapon. The secret weapon is honesty and vulnerability. Right. If you want to have a prayer life that better enables you to listen to the Lord, that better enables you to feel built up um, by your prayer time, for me, that begins with honesty and vulnerability. But I think we need to talk about that for a second because that's kind of at cross-purposes with what I think a lot of us are shooting for. I think a lot of us want something that feels really spiritual. Yeah, yep. It feels really holy and it feels really just christian Mm -hmm, you know mm -hmm. and there's nothing inherently wrong with that that's right um uh, but the problem is honesty and vulnerability particularly in the early stages are not going to feel that way right Uh, they are going to feel less religious not more religious there's a phrase that i learned from glenn that applies here which is sometimes you have to go backwards to go forwards Mm -hmm. um and the way that works here is you want a deeper walk with the lord i think that's part of what you're describing here but the way, and you imagine a deeper walk with the Lord that would be kind of more, it would have more spiritual feelings to it and whatnot. And I, I have no doubt the Lord wants that for you, but the way there actually is to let go of that desire for it to all feel spiritual. Mm-hmm. The way is, and to instead get really real and really raw, really honest, really vulnerable. The reason that that in my life has worked and has in fact worked in the lives of countless Christians for thousands of years is well, Jesus said this. He said that that God is looking for worshipers that will worship in spirit and truth. Um, if you read the message translation, it says those who are simply and honestly themselves before God. That's, that's what he's looking for. Um, now, why would he want that? Why would that be important? I think the reason it's important is God is looking to have a conversation. God is looking to have interaction. And it's really hard to have a good satisfying conversation with someone who won't be themselves. That just doesn't work. I mean, mm-hmm. if, if you think about the the good conversations you have in your life, they're all with people where you both feel comfortable being yourselves. That's mm-hmm. that's how this mm-hmm. works. Mm-hmm. God doesn't have a problem being himself with you, but if we kind of go to God putting on an act, um, talking a way we don't normally talk, and you know, trying to be you know more put together and well behaved than we really are, we're kind of not being ourselves, right? We're we're not we're not being vulnerable, we're not being raw, we're not being real. But when we can go to God, for example, and say, God, I'm so tired of feeling guilty about my quiet time. Mm-hmm. This this mm-hmm. just sucks. I hate yeah. feeling guilty. If if we could just if we could just not do that. That would be killer. Now we're off to the races. Yes. Yep. In our in our heads, it feels Thank like you. if we went to God and we said those words, a thunderbolt would come out of the blue and reduce us to ash. But right. in my in my experience, I think God has been waiting to hear you say those words more than anything else. Yep. I'm so tired of feeling guilty about my quiet time and feeling like it needs this amazing thing that I can Instagram and I'm at the Starbucks. I mean, I'm not that dude. Could we, right. could we yep. just relax? I think nothing would make God happier than that. Yep. But this is the key thing. You can't take my word for it. You have to go discover that for your own self. Mm-hmm. If you mm-hmm. want your prayer life to move forward, to be more meaningful, to be more rewarding, again, to have better listening to it, where you're hearing the Lord's leading in your life, I think honesty and vulnerability, being real and being raw, is the place for you to begin. And it's all really, really fascinating stuff. Another, another, the main thing about a lot of this stuff is you're never going to um, solve the prayer Rubik's Cube. Yep. So as, as Glenn was pointing out, and uh, all all the guys here in this podcast can attest to this. Um, prayer is constant trying new stuff and dialing stuff in and stuff that worked last year. doesn't really feel like it's working this year. And it's, and if you're, can't, if you're not afraid of that, and you, you make a really good point in your question and say, you know, are there things I can uh, look to in this? 
uh, things to remember. If you had these anchors, these guys all gave you good verses about what how God feels about you, what prayer is for. Then when you go, you're inevitably going to go through those words, you're like, I don't feel like I really got anything out of that. That becomes more of an opportunity to say, okay, let's tweak it. Let's find something new than, oh, maybe my, maybe my soul is just broken. Yeah, I, it's all that secret sin. Maybe I'm not journaling hard enough. Yeah. Maybe if this <laughs> smelled more, maybe if I spent more money and it smelled of richer leather. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'd be motivated to really, really pour it out there. It was, but it's all about what finding works for you. And uh, I can't say this enough, not being freaked out when what works for you last month doesn't work for you anymore. That's, yeah. That's perfectly fine, and you'll continue to find that as you grow in your walk. All right, we're going to go to our second question here. This came into Glenn's blog. That would be com. It is quite popular. Mm. Well, when you say quite popular, what do, what do you mean by that? I don't know. I'm reading off the index card you gave me. I see. <laughs> I mean, it has quite in all caps. I mean, I've sold that. It's well, I don't quite think you... popular. Yeah. Uh, that's, like that? Yeah, that's much better. Maybe next time if you give me an audio recording, I can just yeah, yeah. play it in a, like a monitor. and then you want just a line that. reading? Absolutely I think right. your pitch is supposed to go up when you say quite. Quite. Uh, quite. See, but then you don't want to go too much. You think you're going to decide fell lying territory. It's quite popular. Yeah, you, you want the yeah you want the pause in there. It, it, it's... It's quite popular. All right. Well, I'll try harder next time. The question comes into Glenn's blog, which is quite popular. You can find it at UncleGlenn.com. It says, Quite popular. <laughs> hey, I feel so bad writing this, but I'm pretty sure I know how my pastor voted in the election. Parentheses. He's not doing a very good job of hiding it. Close parentheses. Mm. And I just can't get past it. I can't see him the same way now that I know this about him. I feel bad that I feel this way, and I know it must be wrong. But what's the right way of looking at this? And Glenn, as it came into your blog, why don't you start us off here? For sure. Uh, here's the thing. Uh, those of us on this podcast who are not going to take a political stand on this question, uh, we are probably a bit more well-informed than the average individual in terms of just how politics work and yeah. what goes on. We deal with a certain number of politicians. That's right. And uh, my experience is... Um, a huge percentage of the people who express to me express to me a impassioned political viewpoint have very little idea what it is that they are talking about. Yep, and 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 I don't mean that in a negative way. I, I don't mean that what they're saying is uh, offends me or I think is a dumb idea or something like that. I mean they don't understand the party platform yeah. of what it is that they're yeah. giving. They don't actually know what the federal reserve does. Well, you yeah. know, I had, uh, I had a, a, a relative who was talking about a certain political party yeah. and how that's the only party they would ever vote for. And there that's, and that, and it doesn't matter. And this is the only way to go. So on and so forth. And I said, uh, do you na- know who this person is? And I gave them a name of an economist. Yeah. And they did not have any idea who that economist was. And they said, well, who is that? I said, that's actually who you're voting for every time you vote for that. And if you don't know who that guy is and what he said and did, then you're you're not on square one yet with this thing. Uh, but But it illustrated to me this sense of people have actually complicated and often non-political reasons for voting the way they do and making the political uh, uh, decisions. Sometimes that's uh, might be the way they were raised. It might be uh, an experience that they've had. It might be a prejudice that they have. There's lots of different reasons why. 
uh, people uh, vote the way they do, make decisions the way they do. And it would be good for us to be understanding about that, even if we disagree with it. Um, uh, but I think part of what's behind your, your, your question, if, if I can read between the lines, is not that you disagree with the idea of another political party that you have uh, disagreements with, but it's the idea that your pastor may not have the same values mm -hmm. that you have. Right. That's it. Here's the thing is uh, I, I don't know your pastor, so I don't know what his actual values are and what, how he does all the rest of the year, which I think is really what we ought to be looking at here. Uh, but uh, here's the thing about values. Uh, if I can get on my soapbox for a second, I, I don't like that word, mm -hmm. and I don't like the way we use that word. Um, values is the word that we use when we're talking about something I do that mm -hmm. other people don't do that they should do. Mm -hmm. That's what I mean by values. Mm -hmm. you know? <laughs> uh, I'm better than you. That's really that, Yeah, there's an inherent judgmental <laughs> tone to that. If I've, we weren't clear, I am superior to you. Th that's right. Um what I want us to think of instead of values is virtues, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, so virtues are elements of God's character yes. that, that he then gives to us when we receive them in prayer. So uh, wisdom, uh, love, faith, kindness, joy, kindness, self-control, all of these things are Almost virtues. fruits of the Spirit, you might say. That's right. Uh, that's the, those are, those are our, our virtues that we receive when, when, when God gives them. Uh, to us as as we're in prayer with him. And that's the uh, all those fruits of the Spirit, all the things that Jesus represented. So if if you can look at your pastor and say, he's actually rich in the virtues of charity, mm -hmm. of grace, yeah. of understanding, mm -hmm. of reaching out to the lost and reaching out to the people at bottom uh, at the bottom of the, of life, and he happens to vote in a way that seems contradictory to that. Maybe there's more going on, and that's between him and his conscience and God. Mm -hmm. If his, if you don't see that concentration of those kinds of virtues, if you, if this is a judgmental person, if this is a an unkind person, unkind, uncharitable person, if 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 he has that us and them kind of view of mm -hmm. the world and so forth, then it doesn't matter what party he votes for. He's already uh, putting himself in a position where he's maybe less and less qualified mm -hmm. to be your pastor because he's clearly going through struggles in his own situation yep. and hasn't figured that out. And he needs to wrestle with that in his own life. But I think uh, it's it's good for us to understand that a, the way a person votes uh, doesn't need to be the beginning and the end of the story. We really need to right. look at all of it. And I think... If, if I can just button it with this, I think a certain amount of what I'm hearing is my pastor was a certain way all along, and this is just kind of icing on the yeah. cake of yeah. that, that. There's a building sense of this is not right, and this is kind of what that is. So I would ask you to look at the whole thing and yeah. not just the, the election part. I think that's a really smart way to go. I think, uh, Jed, if I can get you to pick up on that. Another thing we're looking at, probably exa exactly what I'm saying, is there, there's a lot of stuff that is going on here, hasn't going here, which may be something as that got as much uh, news coverage, airtime, uh, emotional fire, fire up as the United States presidential election did, brought to light some mm -hmm. things that were not there. That's, as I think as Glenn's pointing out, that's fundamentally different than judging someone based on the way 
they voted, what we need mm. to have is some understanding of where their heart is, which Absolutely. is not is which is different than Glenn's voting. Um, you know, if you look at, you know, the idea of the, the Bible very clearly says care for the poor. Mm-hmm. It's not negotiable. Right. right. It, there are certainly people who would say, I think that's right and true. I don't think that uh, federal government has the ability to do that. I think that's on the states and the communities and the church, mm-hmm. and we're going to do that. And if that dude's church has a soup kitchen then he's walking it just as much as anybody who thinks that tax money should go to do that. But what we may have had here is an interesting look between this person says a lot of Christian-y stuff, and then this was a bit more of an action that spoke in a different way. So Mm. what are the kind of things we can sift through on that? What are the the cornerstones we can look at? Maybe if we can find some binaries of if it's this, it's one way. If it's that, it's the other way. Yeah, that's a great question. Well, let's, let's actually let the Bible speak for itself. So let's turn, if you would, turn with me. Uh, this is James chapter 1. if you're one. driving. Yeah, unless you're driving, in which case, keep driving. This is James chapter 1. It's verse 27. I'm reading out of the New International Version. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Let me read that again. James 1.27 NIV, religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. All right. The Bible, speaking for itself, the holy, inspired, inerrant word of God himself is saying the Christian religion, the living out of it, is defined, the first half is looking after the poor and the vulnerable. Right. That's it. Yeah. That's that definitionally is the first half of the living out of the Christian religion. Thus saith the Lord. Mm -hmm. This is not opinion. This is not open to interpretation. This is the Bible speaking for itself. Now, why does that matter? It matters because we can actually completely leave politics out of this. We don't, we don't actually have to get into that at all. We can, we can ask this simple question. Does your pastor prioritize the poor and disenfranchised? Right. Does he prioritize in action, not in word, but in action, does he prioritize orphans and widows? You tell me. I have a guess, but you tell me. I don't know. I'm not there. And and uh, not to interrupt you, Jed, but I think we can all be comfortable with broadening the definition of, you know, widows and orphans is, you know, people at the bottom of life, people exactly right. who have struggles and so on and so forth. If you can, there's a lot of different ways of slicing no that. So yep. we, we don't want to narrow that at all. Let's call it this. Um, religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is to look after vulnerable people mm-hmm. in their distress. Okay, you know, there you go. Be very, very broad. Does your pastor prioritize serving the vulnerable? Mm-hmm. Because... If he doesn't, it's not that he's a bad dude. It's not that Jesus doesn't love him. It's certainly not that he's not saved. But if he doesn't do that, then there's one of two options. The first is he's really super bad at practicing the Christian religion. Right. That's option A. Option two is he doesn't know very much about the Christian religion. Right. That's option B. Right. It's one of those two. Mm-hmm. We, we actually don't. There, there is, well, the third option is it's a combination of both. Right. But right, it's, right. That's, that's what we've got. In either case, though, in any of those cases, he's actually not qualified to be your pastor. Right. Um, I mean, if you're, you wouldn't go to the gym and hire as a personal trainer, someone who is horrifically out of shape, right? You would say this person is not qualified to train me. Right. And that's right. a different thing than seeing someone who's horrifically out of the shape, out of shape on the street and making fun of them. Absolutely yes. right. This yeah. is not judging someone for being bad at Christianity. This yep. is saying there are job requirements for this gig. Exactly so right. Do you meet them or not? Exactly right. Yeah. Your trainer, you're hiring a trainer to help you get in physical shape. 
there should be evidence they know how to do that. Right. They know how to get people in shape. In a sense, you choose a pastor to help you get in spiritual shape. There should be evidence they know what this religion is. Mm -hmm. If they don't, then you need to find a different pastor. Again, it doesn't mean he's a bad dude. That doesn't mean he doesn't know a lot of Bible. Right. Um, Right. But it does mean that when it comes to the living out, he either doesn't know what this religion is or he's not very good at living it out. In, Mm -hmm. In either case, we need to find ourselves a pastor who does know what this religion is and is interested in living it out, even if he does that imperfectly. One more thing for you uh, before I, I kick it back to Matt. You may know, and you may have noted over the last couple of weeks, that you've seen almost no comment from any of the four of us online regarding anything political. And I don't want you to mistake our silence for something that it's not. All of us work for what in the United States is referred to as a 501c3 nonprofit organization. That's true for us in Chicago. It's actually true for Lee as well. Most so churches are 501c3s. Basically That's all right. of them. We are, we are a tax-exempt religious organization. We're not legally permitted to discuss politics publicly. Right. Um don't mistake that that means we don't have very strongly held views about it right, right. because we super, super do. Mm-hmm. We're actually legally not permitted to talk about it. That's why you haven't heard us uh, uh, get into that. But again, in this question, the good news is we can leave politics completely out of it. Yeah. We can go to, as Glenn said, the heart. We can let Scripture speak for itself to say what Christianity is. Mm-hmm. And then we can ask a very simple binary question. Is this person qualified to lead me in what this religion declares itself to be? Yeah. Yeah. That's all really good stuff. And Lee, I'd love to get you to close this out on this. You, uh, The other thing we have in Chicago that's a little different than what Lee deals with down there is, um, in Chicago, A, we are a very small organization, and B, uh, we live and work in Chicago. So it's I think it may be fair to say a lot of the, most of the folks we're with are pretty politically homogenous. Yeah. Right. There's a lot of the same thing. A church is a big organization. Tennessee, actually, the part of Tennessee that Lee is in is actually... Uh, more uh, politically diverse than other parts of the the South kind of are. So yeah. Lee, what's the line? I think we're, we're drawing this well, and I think it's a very good discussion to keep going. What's the line between having political disagreements within the body, which is going to happen, that's fundamental, mm-hmm. and someone expressing views that are antithetical to being in spiritual leadership over people? How do we find that? How do we... When Let's say somebody gets that spidey sense for, I'm trying to figure out if this person just thinks about politics differently than me, or if they're a jerk who I should listen to about stuff. Where do we find that line? What are some questions we can ask to kind of draw that out if we get that sense? Well, I think one of the questions that you would want to ask, uh, to your point, is do I sense that I am being manipulated? Mm. Um, Do I sense that I have been subject to an emotional plea to get me to act in a way that might not be consistent with the way I see the world mm-hmm. or might not be consistent with um, the, as, as Jed put it, which I like the way he put it, the living out of the Christian religion um, is someone using their place of influence as a soapbox to manipulate my actions. Mm-hmm. That's a, that's a, that's a tricky situation because one of the jobs of a pastor who is a preaching pastor is to be persuasive. Mm-hmm. And in fact, to be persuasive about the way that people that come to their church live their lives, the way that they see the world, the way that they see people, and the way they live their lives. So it's, it, there's a lot of subtlety. There's a lot of nuance. One thing that I, 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 I definitely, definitely, definitely believe and I take this to heart, I take it as a very serious thing, um, is that if, if I approach the pulpit to give a message 
Um, I did it this morning. I see that as a trust that the mm. people in that room mm-hmm. have given me an allotment of time and they're being polite and they're, everybody's listening. That's a trust. And so um, you're doing the same thing when you sit in the room and let somebody preach into your airspace. And so is the person that's doing that, are they attempting to manipulate me? That's a question that I would, that's a question that I would want to ask. If, if I like that Matt used the word spidey sense. If you, if, if it, if it smells like the milk's gone bad, you know, if you can tell that somebody keeps hammering a thing because they, they're trying to manipulate you, that's, that's not a good situation. One thing that I would feel on all of this political stuff, which if you haven't done it, um, you know, we were joking about Glenn's blog being popular earlier. Um, you really should go check out uncleglenn.tumblr.com and check out the way that he handles this question on the blog. Real thoughtful, really cool. One thing that I would say that, um, that, that Glenn kind of talks about in the blog post that I think is super, super important on this is that your vote is an important thing. But what you get to do about the way that you see the world is a much more important thing and a much more effective thing. I like how Jed said, when we look at this, we actually can just leave politics out of it. Um, one, one of my friends at our church was, you know, he, he had a, a very, you know, he, he had a, a, a tough week. When, when the election results came out the way that they did, you can kind of tell which, which way he was feeling about it. He was down in the dumps about it. And yet what he did was on Wednesday, the, the election happened on Tuesday, on Wednesday, he went up to the church, to our church, and volunteered his time at our ESL class. And he is uh, helping a, a Cambodian lady learn how to speak English, who's trying to run a business here in our town. And he's saying to her, we welcome and love foreigners in our town, and we want to help you get on the right foot, and we want to do anything that we can to help you. That's awesome. You know, and it's yeah. like, this is a dude that like, you know, it's like, yeah, he cast his ballot, and that's going to have some impact. But I'm telling you what, sitting down with one person and giving your time to yeah. somebody who is a foreigner who does not feel welcome in this country, and giving them giving them your time and 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 love as a as an ambassador for for Jesus who who loves everyone, that is how you deal with whatever you feel, whatever emotions you're feeling about the election. Casting your ballot's an important thing. But let's roll up our sleeves and get to work. There's a lot to do. Amen. And, um, and, and, and we need to find, as, as Glenn and Jed are saying, we need to find the vulnerable, find the down and out, and we need to get to work. That's the most effective way for us to handle the way that we're feeling about the, the stuff that's been happening. Amen. That's really, really good stuff. Uh, one more thing that's worth saying on this is, um, we talk about this in some other contexts. Um, there is this kind of weird thought in a lot of Christian stuff that as long as my pastor isn't preaching heresy from the pulpit, mm-hmm. there is no justifiable reason to leave. Not uh, true. Yeah, no. yeah, as you're saying, you know, he's not hiding his certain political feelings that I disagree with. And as we've pointed out, it's this is not even a way of saying that you, you ought not think that and you are bad for thinking that. This is saying, I don't think this relationship is going to work out. Right. I don't think whatever I'm not even saying your values are wrong. I'm saying they're not consistent with the ones I hold on this and my understanding of what the Bible says about stuff. So mm-hmm. if the choice is sitting there every Sunday and you know uh biting a hole in your cheek because you're so angry at this dude <laughs> and find another place to be that uh smart money's on find another place to be. No yeah. Doubt. Well, yeah, and and we might point out as we were walking away from this uh, I'm coming to get fed, not to hear some political propaganda. And also, I need you to stay in your lane because you don't have any training in yeah. political yeah. science. And I need you to 
do the thing you're actually here to do. So I think those expectations are fair. Absolutely. And uh, we mentioned Glenn's blog post on this. It's very good if you want to go back and read that. It was posted on Wednesday, uh, November 16th. So go to UncleGlenn.com, scroll down to find that. We're going to move on to our final question here. It comes in anonymously at our Tumblr, and it says, My friend and I are in the same major, but she is way more successful than I am. I work very hard, but she seems to always be able to correct my work. This frustrates me because I'm a perfectionist and I have a form of pride about this. She has been nothing but encouraging to me, but I fear that she may think I have nothing to offer her because she is so much more successful than me in so many ways, school, career, intelligence, popularity, all that stuff. How do I get over my insecurities? And Jake, can you start us off? Well, my friend, I'm sorry you're hurting. I can understand some of what you're describing from personal experience, mm-hmm. and that's a, a crappy place to be. I went to a school where a lot of my classmates were a lot smarter than me, and that uh, can mess with your head, so I, I hear that. Here's the thing I would have you uh, accept, is there's always someone better than you yep, at yes. everything. Yep. At everything. There is nothing in your life where you are the best at it. Period. The end. Yep. And in fact, if you look around, there's almost nothing in your life where you're the best at it of the people you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's just that's that's not how how life works. Um, but I think you have bought into a bad idea when you say uh, she's you know so one of these days she's going to figure out that uh, you know I've got nothing to offer her. That's that's nonsense. That's that's just not true. Uh, you can offer this friend and all the people that you love. You can offer them your love, your concern, your attention, your sympathy, your encouragement, your praise. People really super need those things. Mm-hmm. That's all people, right. and you are fully qualified to give them out. Let's talk about encouragement for a second. It's actually almost impossible to be bad at encouragement. Right. Um, uh, even even if you've never done it before, that was good. The thing you did was good. It was a good thing. That's encouragement. Yep. Uh, you That's know, right. It's, it's been said. It's kind of like bad pizza. It's still pizza. It's, yep. It's, yep. You'll, you'll get better at it, but you can you can underdo it, but you almost can't overdo it. So it's pretty simple. Just turn it turn it on. I've I've been around the world a few times. I've never once heard someone say that was terrible encouragement, and I shan't receive it from <laughs> you. <laughs> just. It doesn't happen, right. you know. I mean, you know, be encouraging people. You wouldn't believe how badly people need that. And here's the thing with your friend: you look at her and you say she's so smart and she's so beautiful and she's so amazing and she, you know and whatever. Just so you know, no one ever tells your friend those things. Right. You think right. them about her in in kind yeah, of a jealous way, but she she probably doesn't know them about herself. But even if she's somewhat self aware, no one ever articulates those things to her. Right? Nobody. Right. Uh, in, if you exist in kind of a suburban church culture and kind of the surrounding confines, people do not praise one another. Mm-hmm. They just don't. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm telling you. But you can do that. You have the ability to say to your friend, you are smart and I celebrate that about you. And that is good. It is good. Right. The yeah. end. Yeah. That's great. But here's the one other thing. And it's part of why I'd encourage you to flip the script on this. Knowing people that are better than you at things is a gift. That's a blessing, not a curse. Yes. Uh, Glenn is a dramatically better preacher than I am. It's not close. Um, I don't know about that, but... Uh... It's true. And here's how that works out, is from time to time... So we, we're, our team is at Cook County Jail every single week. Um, and we, we kind of cycle through. We have a rotation. So every, I'd say, six weeks, uh, two yeah. months, you and I are there on the same day. Mm-hmm. And, um, and every time we're there on the same day... We do our thing, you know, we, we each preach a little sermonette, we leave, and on the ride home, I turn to Glenn and say, tell me what to do different. 
Right. How do I do it better? Right. And then Gunn tells me super smart stuff that had not occurred to me. Right. And I go, oh, that's that's good. I'm, right. Yeah, right. I, can, I can use that. I'm stealing those little secrets. It's fantastic. It's great. <laughs> now I'm a better preacher. Right. Am I, am I going to catch Glenn? Probably not, but it doesn't matter. Well, because I keep trying to get better while you're figuring it out. So there yeah. you go. It's a pretty annoying habit you have. Yeah. yeah thanks, man. <laughs> Here's what I do in my life. The, just as I'm saying it's true for you, it's true for me. There's people better than me at everything. Right. Uh, there, you know, uh, in the world, for sure, there's be- people better than me at everything. And in truth, at nearly everything, I know personally people who are better than me at everything. Mm-hmm. What I can do is I can seek those people out and I can learn from them. And I, I actually do. I make a, I find the people in my orbit who are better than me at things. And I go and I say, teach me. Tell right. me how to do that differently. Right. Tell me how right. to do that more effectively. You can do that too. And part of what it does is it turns kind of this curse of, you know, one day I'll be good enough. It actually turns into a strength. That's right. It turns right. a weakness into a strength. That's right. There's nothing to stop you from doing that. If you make up your mind to say, what I know I can offer all my friends is I'm the one that encourages people. I'm the one that builds people up. I'm the one that offers a listening ear and sympathy and whatnot. And at the same time, I go out and I find the people who know more than I do and I learn from them. Oh man, you'll be a rock star in yeah, life. That's right. So that's the journey that you want to get on we love you we believe in you that's a really fantastic place to start leaf i can get you to uh, pick us pick us up here uh another thing i think our friend is dealing with here is once you're let the momentum start building down this road of well i was, even uh, even though i because they say you know i do very well i get good grades they just do it easier so that means i'm finding the the thing to feel bad about myself on mm. if you let those kind of negative thoughts have that kind of momentum then there's kind of no end to that. So what do we do to kind of turn that around? Yeah, you need something to break out of it. It's a, it's it's a feedback loop. It's this it's this this uh, kind of wormhole that you're stuck in, where you know all you wind up only thinking about yourself all the time. Yeah. And I I I want to say that with kid gloves because I know exactly how that feels. I'm not trying to pick on you. Um, the fact is that that insecurities like this, it feels like a very humble thing. And that's where the enemy is so subtle and tricky because insecurities like this are actually the most self-consumed way to think. I yeah. mean, it is, it is a, this is a, this is a reality that is dominated by me. Yeah. If, I, if I'm stuck in this thing, the only thing I'm thinking about all the time is myself. Um, and and that's the whole that's the whole the whole thing about insecurity. If you ask most people um who is the person in your life who is dominated by insecurities the most and then ask that person what is it like being their friend, they would say, "Well, it's actually tough because I feel like I'm always carrying them." Um that person never asks me one question about myself. Um that it's it's kind of sometimes it feels tough to be their friend because the only you know they'll turn every conversation to conversation about them well that's because this this kind of insecurity is fake humility it's not mm-hmm. actual real humility it's just a very tricky form of pride and you were talking about the perfectionism being pride actually the insecurity is a much more toxic pride yep. and again i'm not trying to beat up on you I, man i feel this with you so hard because i know how this feels and the thing that will break you out of it is if you can change the channel of where your mind is focused and find somebody else who's worse off than you, and then, and then just ask yourself the question, what in the world would it take to lift this person up? Mm-hmm. I'm going to make that the mission of this week. Next week, I've got, 
go ahead and just try to think about, can you see that person's face in your mind? Somebody who is just, somebody who is socially, they're just so awkward and they, they just have, they're so lonely. And you like, they walk in the room and it's like, they exude the odor of loneliness. And it's just like, everybody <laughs> smells it. Like, oh my gosh, you are so lonely. And then like, you know, it's that person that you see at church or in the small group or at, or at the whatever. And it's like, it's work to hang out with them because you ask them a question and it's one word back. And it's like, you know what? I'm going in there. Like somebody cover me. I'm going right. to do this. I'm going right. to spend all my emotional energy on this. And I'm going to take them out for a cheeseburger. And then we are going to go to the movies or we are going to go play darts at the whatever. And then, you know, we're going to go play pool and I'm going to hang out with this person. I'm going to find somebody who's having a suckier week than me. And I'm going to lift them up. I'm mm -hmm. going to get a plan for it. I'm going to pour my energy into it. And here's the thing about that. That will be exhausting. It will be awkward. It will be difficult. And guess what? For that hour and a half, you won't think about you one time. And it's going to be so good, man. It's going to be so refreshing. It's going to be so refreshing to change the channel. You serve somebody else. Find somebody down and out and lift them up. Pour your energy and your heart into that. That's going to be the thing that breaks you out of this feedback loop because it's not really humility. It has, it's actually a thousand miles away from humility. Humility is an, is, is an entirely different thing where you see you for who you are and you can actually, a humble man can actually celebrate who he is. Mm -hmm. I know that feels weird to us because we don't think that's what humility is. A humble man can actually celebrate who he is. Mm -hmm. And, but, but when we're so self-consumed and insecurities, we can't celebrate anything. We can't celebrate anybody else. Let's break the feedback loop by lifting up somebody else that's down and out. And then it's going to change the channel off of the mirror and get it on somebody else. Again, not trying to beat you up. I know how this feels. And I'm telling you from experience, it feels so good to get out from underneath just the tyranny of the self-consumption of all this insecurity. I think it's a really a fantastic way to sum that up, this kind of self-focus thing. And Glenn, part of that is this, I think, then where our friend's going through here, is, is as Lee pointed out, it is not only is negativity feedback loop, but self-analysis is, it is a bottomless well of never ending. That's right. And I, I'm I'm kind of caught on this idea. This person says, you know, um, I I do well, but she does a little better. And that hurts me because I'm a perfectionist. Right. I get the sense that someone who was sold on perfectionism being a really good thing. Yep. Right. And maybe that's one of the things we need to let go here. For sure. And and uh, true confessions, I have a perfectionistic streak a uh, hundred miles wide. As so one can... of your employees, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Anyway, <laughs> but uh, you know, I I, uh, I I get the idea of that, uh, but. But again, I liked what Jared was saying about this idea of does the sense of competition does that bring out the best in you? Mm -hmm. In terms of I'm driven to 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 you know I love the challenge mm -hmm. of rising up to the situation. Certainly that way for some people. Yeah, that's right. I think if that's the case for you, then as he said, you you've turned that into a positive, and that's a good thing. And and I I am that kind of of guy. Judge that kind of guy. Uh, as well, you know, we're, you know, Jed's a thousand times better than I am at music, and so is Lee. Uh, and I do music stuff, you know, uh, for the ministry and stuff. So uh, it, it's easy enough to see that some stuff I do well, some stuff they do well, and that's 
you know, everybody's got their their thing, their giftedness. It's easy to see it that way. But the more we get, as you say, the more we get into that comparison bit and, and comparing ourselves to one another, sooner or later we're going to get into a, just a negative, uh, you know, downward spiral mm-hmm. off of that. Uh, uh, but I think part of that is finishing the sentence in terms of I – I'm this person's better than me, therefore dot dot dot, and then doom. You, yeah, yeah. It would sit down. Shame. It, it always ends with dying alone somehow. Yeah, get, yeah exactly <laughs> right. Get that's the thing is you don't finish the sentence because if you did, it would sound as silly as that. The moment you said it out loud, it would just sound silly. It, it's weird that the devil can tempt us into a think a, an incomplete thought like that and yep. that we we don't even finish this sentence we just make some sort of a blanket assumption i guess or something and we just don't examine that that's worth examining but i want to i want to leave you with a magical idea this is going to change your life mm-hmm. brace yourself here's the idea good enough <laughs> yep it's good enough yep. is is it perfect no, no. That's good enough. Yeah. Now I know I just broke your brain because if you're yeah. a perfectionist, that's that that just no. That's right, right out, out. With that hippie talk. Yeah, that's right. But here's the thing: um, uh, uh, we've got a fellow that works for our ministry, uh, Pete Lawson, and part of what he does is uh, uh, he's in charge of bringing people, inviting people to our service. So every Tuesday, there's a bit of an odd numerical measure of the quality of the work that he does, and it, that's not true, really, in a lot of different areas of our ministry. So it's it's the kind of thing that can get into a person's head. I brought eight this week. I brought fifteen last week. What does it mean, man? That, that's right. And you're you're riding that roller coaster up and down. And 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 he was, and he was he he was looking at that. But I said, Pete, here's how I'm going to tell you uh, to look at this. If we have too few people at this service, that's a problem. It's, it feels like it's losing its momentum. We're not helping the people we should. If we have too many people in the room, we don't have a chance to get around to minister to them properly. We're not plugging them into churches the way the program is designed to do. Uh, we physically can't seat them all and whatever. So what we're actually looking for is a range. Yep. If If the number of people seated in that room is anywhere in that range. That's a win. It's fine. That's it. That's success. It's it's a range here. Um, but I could tell the the look on his face is the exact look that I would have on my face of like, how do I win at that? How do I win at that? How do I know I'm doing good? There has to be like gradations of, you know, I'm, I'm just giving him that anything there is fine. Everything else would be not fine. That's it. It's just binary. That's we don't like that. We like that that sense of of measuring. But what we got into is once we bought that into that way of looking at things, sort of this range is acceptable. Then we start looking beyond that simple numerical measure and saying, well, can we? If any number in this is fine, then let's not pay attention to the number. Let's pay attention to the kind of people that we're reaching out to. Mm. And let's pay attention to uh, the the quality of, 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 of the readiness for this person to really change their life and receive the word. Uh, are, are we raising up leaders mm. within this thing mm-hmm. that can help us reach the rest of them? And so now it's no longer about quantity. It's about quality. So just by finding a way of defining that's good enough 
don't look at that anymore. We're able to move forward and do better ministry overall. So I, I think we have to find a way to get into this is 90% of the way there, and that's fine. It's good enough. Yep. That's it. Yeah, it's absolutely right. I think the other magic of good enough is within these ideas of kind of relational insecurity. We hear this, you know, friendships. We hear this about people in dating relationships a lot of like, I just don't see what I bring to the table. Like, uh, that actually is a problem. Right. Because they think you bring something to the table. You need to find out what that is. That's right. As we, we, we discussed husband points earlier, you got to yeah. understand where the where the oomph is on some of yep. this. As Jed's saying, um, being the encouraging person is a real good one. Yep. Um, being As Lee was talking about, you know, being a kind person who reaches out to people, that's a real good one. But then there's nothing wrong with asking someone, saying, hey, I know this is you can, good friendships, anyway, ships, you, you can open a sentence with, I know this is crazy, but mm-hmm. but hear me out. Now, you can't do that every day yeah. mm-hmm. in perpetuity. Mm-hmm. You got to crazy points, much like husband right. points. You got to right. say, I know this is a little nuts, but can you give me one one reason we hang out that you like right. so I can calm that voice and if I'm ever feeling weird, I can no do that. Yeah. They say you're very you're a very kind person. If you ever feel like I don't know why, they, you just do something nice. That's right. As, again, that all sounds weird. A lot of this is counterintuitive, and the relational aspect of you know, there's all that relational. Well, I don't I don't hang out with so and so just because they make me feel a certain way, or I don't date them just because X Y Z. Yeah, you do, <laughs> and that's not. Not in a bad way. Not that, mm. as you're pointing out, if we get dips below, you know, I like them because they're funny. So if I get less than, you know, 25 yucks per hangout, then I start bailing on them. But right. we know the positive aspects, as we we're as Joe was pointing out before, that people don't see about themselves. And you may not see positive aspects about yourself. So you can get a place where you start off with a little positive reinforcement, give you a nudge in a direction, a lot like Glenn's pointing out in his conversation with Pete. And part of what I know because I was around for that. You were telling Peter, and you are good at that. Right. That's you right. you know what makes these good contacts, bad contacts. So let's focus on that. If you start with a little encouragement, and then that helps us break out of the cycle, as Lee was talking about. So start with looking for that foothold, and then you can uh, apply all this really good advice on how to keep going in that direction. All right. If you have a question for us, say that podcast at gmail.com, the bridge, chicago.tumble.com. Or check out the song this week. This is from a friend of ours named Mark Marcel. Woo! He's got a Christmas record coming out. That's right. This show technically drops after Thanksgiving. So you people nice. know what time it is. It is Christmas music time. Uh, Mark is a really fantastically talented uh, singer. He was in a band called Down Here for a long time. He was actually toured with Queen. Yep. Because wow. Brian May of Queen saw a YouTube video of him singing a cover on like a... Bohemian Rhapsody, I believe. A Bohemian Rhapsody on like a show, I think. Yeah. That saw it. Game over. Needed a vocalist, invited him. Wow. Now, I need y'all to understand that just by virtue of saying that sentence, that's the coolest thing I've ever been involved in. Right. And you, dear listener, just by virtue of hearing that sentence, yes. that is the coolest thing you've ever been involved in. Right. You're welcome. So, But he's a good dude, and he's released a, a Christmas album, which is available everywhere now. This is the single off that. It's What Child Is This? And for double, ultra, and secret cool points, it features the uh, guy named Ron Block, who's the banjo player for Allison Krauss and Union Station. Whoa. So there's a lot going on in this track. We are very uh, thankful to Mark for... Uh, uh, giving us permission to use it. It's a great tune. So we're going to take you out with What Child Is This by Mark Martell featuring Ron Block. Thanks for listening. Just remember, we love you. God loves you. There's nothing you can do about it. To say that podcast, I, for one, appreciate my wife, who's amazing. Husband point! <laughs> <laughs> what child is this who laid to rest 
on Mary's lap is sleeping. Whom angels greet with anthems sweet, while shepherds watch our keeping. Mean estate where rocks and donkeys are feeding. Oh, Christians fear for sinners here. The silent word is pleading. The silent word is pleading. This, this is Christ the King, whom shepherds guard and they. Son of Mary. So bring him incense, gold, and myrrh. Come, peasant king, to own him. The king of kings, salvation brings. Let loving hearts and The babe, the sun.